Welcome to Persisters, an all-female live show and podcast hosted by Beth Rowe. Produced by Alex Kern. Each week, we'll play you a piece from our live show, followed by an interview between the performer and us, Beth and Alex. Please subscribe to our podcast on iTunes and follow us on Instagram at PersistersLA. This week, we've got Michelle Wong, voiceover artist extraordinaire. Hi, guys. Hi. <laughs> Thank you, Beth. Um, my name is Michelle Wong, uh, and I'm 40 years old. Yeah, I'm not actually 40 years old, um, but I kind of sound like I am, um, which isn't a problem now that I'm in my early 30s, but when you're 12, uh, it sucks. <laughs> I, I have basically sounded like this my whole life, and when I was a kid, I was convinced that that meant that I was never going to meet a boy or have a husband or have a boyfriend or anything like that because I sounded like a man. And I seriously believed that. Now, granted, at the time, I could also throw a decent punch and uh, bench press my own body weight and um, also was the only girl to have ever tried out for the wrestling team. Um, yes, I made it. I, I, did. I did. I made it on the team. Thank you. Um, but the deep voice didn't help either. Uh, when I got to college, or when I was getting ready to go to college, I, um, I don't know if you remember this back when there was not really email or text messaging, but you had to talk on the phone. So um, I called my potential roommate, and we had a conversation about, you know, who was bringing a television, or who was going to bring the mini fridge, or if we wanted a microwave, or all of those things. And I found out later, once I got to college, that after she'd gotten off the phone with me, that she was terrified that her new college roommate was a 40-year-old woman who was going back to school to study acting. And she was like, I was like, I don't want to go, I don't want to go to college. I need to find a roommate. I need to get switched out. Um, luckily for her, she, I was not a 40-year-old woman showing up. But um, I went to Carnegie Mellon for acting, which is a conservatory program, which is really kind of just a fancy way of saying that, you know, we take these really broad stroke ideas and spend six months really studying them. <laughs> um, so for instance, the very first semester of school was strictly devoted to something that they called the animal project. Um, <laughs> some people are in the, laughing in the room because they did it. They participated in the animal project. Um, we were all brought to the Pittsburgh Zoo and you had to spend the whole day at the zoo and you were told to walk around and like look at the animals and find which animal spoke to you or who you had an emotional connection to or who, whatever, whatever they meant by connection with an animal. And then once you found that animal, you were supposed to spend the rest of the afternoon taking notes about how it moved and the sounds that it made and how it ate and all of that. And then we spent the next four months embodying that animal, <laughs> physically, emotionally. Uh, I was a llama, and <laughs> so that meant, that meant that I, would, I had like my high-heeled shoes that I wore on my hands, and I bent over like this and walked around, you know, with the way that the llama's shoulders move and all of that. We had a whole clan of snow leopards, a wide variety of gorillas and monkeys, um, and one person who decided it would be a really great idea to be a fish which is really difficult to embody on land. Um, she brought in a skateboard and did this the whole time. Uh, I also had another class that just focused on your voice. 
not singing, but how your voice, how, how your body actually makes sounds, how your voice comes out of your body, how it resonates in the different places. And one of our first projects there was something called Origins, where we had to interview people in our lives who had a big influence on why we speak the way that we do. And I felt like this was a much better use of my time than figuring out how a llama drinks out of a pond. Um, and we were told to record the interview, so I called my mom and my dad, um, and I had an actual handheld tape recorder that had like a little flip-up speaker for when you were recording. And uh, I, I recorded them, and I listened back, and what was amazing was that the moment I was actually listening to them analytically, critically, I could immediately hear so many of the characteristics of why I speak the way that I do. Um, so I, when I was preparing to tell this story, I went back into my hard drive to see if I still had the paper that I wrote on it, and I found it. And so some of the things, here are some of the things that I, that I discovered. So in the case of my parents, they've been an example to me of so many of the things that I don't want to do with my voice. <laughs> My father is originally from Hong Kong, and because of this, his inflection in the way that he speaks is off. He still has a little bit of an accent, and he even says on the tape that I correct him all the time, and I make fun of him for saying things funny. And I think that growing up, because my father spoke funny, and because I was an Asian kid growing up in a predominantly white school, that I tried very hard not to speak like my father. Um, I wanted to speak as American as possible. But what I did get from him is a very monotone sounding voice. So he, when I listened to the tape, he was telling me stories. And he doesn't really have a lot of range. You can't really tell when he's angry. You can't really tell if he's happy. Everything just kind of comes out very monotone. And something that I learned when I went to acting school was that I do the same thing. And as an actor, that doesn't really play very well. <laughs> so I had to learn how to add inflection into my voice to be a little more emotional in the way that I speak. Um, though now that you know dry humor is back in fashion, it actually comes back into my advantage. Um, my mother, as I can tell within the first 20 seconds of the tape, is where I get my sporadic yelling from. <laughs> so <laughs> it's funny to realize that now because at the time when I was growing up with her, I used to make fun of her all the time for it. And I used to tell her, like, Mom, we're in the same room with each other. Why are you speaking so loud? And now I know my husband says those same things to me when we're in the car. We'll be driving to dinner and I'll be asking him a question. I'll be like, Michelle, shh, you're yelling right now. Um, also, my mom, she's from the Philippines, and she also still retains a little bit of an accent, and she doesn't pronounce her T's and D's at the ends of her words. And I used to also have that same issue when I would speak, and I went out of my way to really focus on pronouncing and enunciating the ends of my words. But I did realize, too, after listening to both of those tapes, that both she and my father have very powerful and very strong voices, that both my parents fought very hard for, to be where they are now, and they have a lot of strength and courage and confidence, and their voices resonate very deep from inside of them. And I'm pretty sure that that's where I got that from. Uh, so I found a lot of that very fascinating, and I would say that maybe the majority of people would consider it a waste of time to 
focus so minutely on something as simple as your voice. But it helped me figure out a lot of things that I needed to change about my voice, like my T's and my D's or my proclivity for spontaneous yelling in small, tiny spaces. Uh, but I think I'm really lucky that I ended up choosing a profession that forces me to investigate honestly who and why I am. I understand now what confidence sounds like in my voice and also what uncertainty and fear sound like. And I've learned to observe my own behavior the same way that I observed that damn llama 11 years ago. <laughs> so now instead of being that disgruntled 12-year-old girl convinced that her voice was just pure bad luck, I can be excited about where it came from. Thank you. Here we are with Michelle Wong. Hi. Hi, Michelle. Hi, Michelle. Michelle, you can't tell this, but Michelle's wearing really bright, beautiful purple oh. lipstick. <laughs> it's amazing. So, M Michelle, um, in your piece, one of the things I found really interesting at the beginning, you talked about how, like, how you had such a strong voice and how you were, like, physically strong mm. and how that's <laughs> awkward being a, a girl yeah. who's physically strong with a strong voice. Yeah. And it's interesting because that's not celebrated when you're, like, speaking, like, from from my own experience of being a strong, like, physically strong person. Mm -hmm. It's not celebrated when you're a little girl. At all. Mm. Like, most of the time, either the boys run away from you or the boys make fun of you. Like, I... So my last mm. name is Wong. Mm -hmm. It rhymes with things like dong huh? and schlong right. and long. Right. So, you know, the boys would make fun of me and they would essentially like basically say that like, oh yeah, Michelle Wong has a dong. Like she's a boy because she's so strong. They were also terrified of me, which was cool, mm -hmm. sort of. Yeah. Until I started liking boys and was like, I would like to find a mate. Oh, everybody's afraid of me. What am I going to do? She's <laughs> like, must find Must me. find man. <laughs> I'm going to eat you. And then, you know, then it turns out that my voice can make me a lot of money. So that was cool. That all mm -hmm. worked out. <laughs> I love that. And I, I always I, wanted people to be scared of me growing up. Really? I totally did. I remember in high school, like playing a lot of sports, being like, are, are like the underclassmen intimidated by me? And people are like, no, Alex, they're not. I'm like, damn it. But I did think like I was strong too. And I always, my mom has always said I was solid. I've always mm. been really solid. And I was Which like, is just like, people say the same thing about me. Thanks. And that just means yeah. you're you know, solid. That just means like stocky uh -huh. yeah. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I, I my parents came here for Christmas and we went out to dinner Peter and I and my parents went out to Moby's restaurant Little Pine oh yeah which I love mm. and I was talking about um like losing a little bit of weight and my mom said to me you do not wear why would you need to lose more weight and I and I just was like so dumbfounded that she said that and I was like I wish that I could go back in time and tell my 19-year-old self that someday my mother was going to tell me that I didn't have to lose any more weight. <laughs> Absolutely. My mother's the opposite. She's just like, she'll say, hi, Michelle. Oh, you gained weight. Mm. <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah, I did, sort of. It's all muscle. My mom doesn't have to say anything. I can just feel it. Right. You know, which is, uh, clearly I'm projecting sure. to a certain yeah. degree. Right. I I mean, I, I know a lot. I know more than most people do about you and your voice, but, and also by hearing your story, but, um, you were, you came out of, you went to Carnegie Mellon. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. And then you moved straight to LA. I did. I moved straight to, De- to LA, drove mm-hmm. my car across the country, up through like, you know, North Dakota, Nebraska, and all that stuff. Yeah, and then, yeah, I've been here ever that. since. I've been here about 11 years in Los Angeles. Oh, wow. Yep. And you're originally from? San Diego. Okay. Yeah. Right. Oh. So very near to home. My parents are still in San Diego. I see them probably once a month, twice a month sometimes. That's so nice. Is that a good thing? It is, is that, a great okay, thing. Great. I'm very close okay. with my family. I really, yeah. I really love my family a lot. I, I feel really grateful and lucky to have had the parents that I did. Mm-hmm. Do you have siblings? I do. Three siblings. An oh, older wow. sister, an older brother, and a younger brother. Oh, wow. And both my younger brother and my older sister now live in Los Angeles also. Oh, so we're all nice. very close. My older Lucky. brother, unfortunately, lives all the way out in D.C. Boo. Um, we're trying to get him to come back, but, you know, he got married. I mean, you know, whatever. So, like, he might not ever come back. What do right. your brother, brothers and sister do? Uh, my brother is a computer programmer. The one my in older D.C.? Brother, the older brother in D.C., yeah. And then my little brother, he's still trying to figure out his... He'd like to get into video editing or into either directing or something on the post-production side of, mm. of the entertainment business. And my sister, uh, she's kind of moved around a little bit. I mean, she's also in the entertainment business a little bit as an actress, mm. but also uh, works as a PR rep for restaurants and chefs and stuff, which mm. is really cool. Oh, that cool. is cool. Yeah. Do you... So um, you are a, what I would call, very successful voiceover artist. Oh, that's sweet. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. (laughs) And they, um, when did you, I mean, you, because what you talked about in your story is that you like really worked on voice and stuff in Mm -hmm. college. Yeah. After Carnegie Mellon, you came to LA. How long Mm -hmm. did it take for you to get like your wheels going in voiceover? Um, I would say probably two to three years. And that was probably because I wasn't really pursuing it very actively when I came out here. Sure. I was working on my voice in college, but in the same way that any on stage, on screen actor would. Mm-hmm. Um, and even though I knew because people had said, like, oh, have you ever thought about getting a voiceover that I that I would like to and that I would enjoy it, I didn't really know how. Um, so I came out here and I was, you know, trying to get an on-camera agent and mm-hmm. I was, you know, on TV shows and things like that. And um, it wasn't until I met a girl, her name's Melanie Minikino. She's amazing. If you look her up, she's also an incredible voiceover actress as well. Um, She was a client of mine because I taught Pilates. I still teach Pilates. Um, She was a client of mine. We started chatting and she sort of helped shepherd me into to sort of find the ways that I needed to get into this business. Mm. Um, At the same time, and this is kind of like a parable for my entire career is that people have helped me along the way, that I went in for a meeting at a commercial agency that ended up not signing me. But he said to me when I was in the meeting, he said, hey, have you ever thought about doing voiceover? Your voice is, is really incredible. So well, yeah, I thought about it, but I, I haven't really, I don't have an agent. I don't really know what I'm doing. He said, all right, I have someone that I would like you to meet. So he made a phone call to this woman named Carol Kimball, who is one of the top casting agents for voiceover. If you look her up, you'll see that she casts almost everything. And um, so I had a meeting with her and she said, you know, we got a phone call and they heard you're really incredible. We wanted to meet you. I heard you don't have an agent. Let me set you up with somebody. And so she set me up with my first agent just based on having heard my voice. Um, And that was, that was really incredible. I think that would have been the, I, I can't imagine how else I would have broken into the business that way had it not been for those people sort of taking a chance on me mm-hmm. you know that's crazy yeah it is that, it's totally amazing it's totally yeah. wild isn't it funny how sometimes it's like you want something so badly and you're going after this one thing then want this one thing and then all of a sudden somebody's like have you ever thought about doing this and it's just like in ways that other people are dying to get into that door it's right. just like come over here <laughs> yeah I'll, let me help you <laughs> yeah <laughs> well thing and to be fair things didn't you know like 
change and take off from there. Sure. It was still, Melanie helped me a lot to translate a lot of the things that I learned as an on-camera actor and how to transla- translate that into voice acting, mm-hmm. which there are a ton of similarities, but there's so much technique that is different that is so mm-hmm. important to know that differentiates you from you know, an okay voice actor to a really, really great voice actor. Like she yeah. would coach you or you would... Okay. Yeah, sometimes I, I would get auditions and I would mm-hmm. have her help me out with them. She uh, is the voice of Disney Junior. And so... Oh, right, oh. you told me about her. Yeah. yeah, and so that promo is a whole different side of voiceover that I had never been exposed to. Commercial voiceover, I got it. Animation, video game, I totally understand all of that stuff. But promo is so different. And so she would sort of help coach me on those auditions and help me figure out what was authentic, what was real, and when I was just faking it, when I was just, you know, pretending. And just like any other acting job on camera or off screen, whatever, you have to believe it. You have Mm -hmm. to be real or else they can tell. Everybody can tell. Sure. You know? Michelle was kind enough to... She helped... Peter a lot with voiceover stuff and, 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 and met with me to talk about it. Mm-hmm. And it was, uh, and, and gave me notes on my demo, which was so, <laughs> was so helpful, but also like I made that demo two or three years ago. Mm-hmm. And so, and then like, also again, like going from kind of not knowing what I'm doing to having an agent mm-hmm. and learning as you go. Yeah. And, um, and then go and this after like my demo's been done and and I went back and 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 talked to the man who did my demo and I was like I'm a different person yeah. like I sound different and yeah. he was just like I'm I'm so glad that you know that oh, and it good. was so much of that was because of what you we talked about thank you I'm, I'm yeah. glad to hear that it it's a funny thing like talking to a lot of people who are trying to break into voiceover we all hear we need a demo I need a demo because sure. people need to hear my voice and that's true you can't really get an agent without a demo but you can't make a demo until you know who you are. Right. Mm. You really can't because you're selling a brand that is the brand of your voice. Mm-hmm. And while you can do funny voices and you can put on accents and things like that, really what sets you apart from the thousands, hundreds of thousands of people who are trying to break into voiceover is what makes you authentically you. Right. That natural piece of you that comes out when you're relaxed, when you're honest is what's going to make you different and make you stand out. It's so funny. When we were testing levels for the show, uh, we tested the first mic on Michelle, and it was like the vol- the levels were just like, <laughs> and then everybody else was like, boom, 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 up and down. Oh, wow. Yeah. Just Do you do exercises like on a daily basis, or is there like a warm-up you do before you're recording? Mm. What is your process like? Yes and no. Like, I... I would be lying if I was like, yeah, I do vocal exercises every day. Right. I don't. Right. But I definitely take care of my voice. I have changed. So I deal with like acid reflux and GERD and all mm-hmm. this stuff. And mm-hmm. What's that? What's the GERD is a gastrointestinal reflux. It's essentially a fancier word for acid reflux. Mm, got it. Got right? it. Um, and so there are a lot of foods that can trigger that. And when you have consistent acid reflux, what it does is essentially burns away your esophagus and it makes you raspier. You can lose your voice. It feels like you've been talking talking for hours and hours and hours, and really it's just acid has been eating away at your esophagus, right? Not cool, especially if you're trying to use your voice as a living. Um, So I've changed a lot of the way I eat. I don't eat, like, very acidic foods, like tomatoes, and I don't drink coffee on a regular basis. I used to drink, like, four or five cups of coffee a day, and now I either cold press or drink low-acid coffee, which I didn't even know was a thing. I didn't even know that was a thing. It's delicious. Oh, tell me, where do you find that? Well, Sprouts... Has oh, okay. a brand Sprouts. called Tiemens, which is delicious. It's a mixture of 
Low acid coffee beans, which is just the way they roast them, helps to reduce the amount of acidity that they release when they're actually brewed. Um, and they also mix it with like goji berries and a little bit of matcha. So you get still a lot of that caffeine boost, but you don't get all of the acid from the coffee beans. Yeah. Um, yeah. Wow. And if you cold press it, it reduces the amount of acidity that the beans release by 70%, which is huh. incredible. And we live in Los Angeles, so having cold pressed coffee every morning is not a bad thing. I had no idea right. it was better for you than hot coffee. I wouldn't say better. It's just lower in acidity. Okay. Right? Okay. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. some people don't deal with acidity. Some people, it's not a problem. I do. See, a yeah. lot, but a lot right. of people do. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we can change We can change the way that we eat. So, yeah, so back to your original question. I do things, I drink room temperature water That's instead of thinking. cold right. water, right. right? And, like, if I'm going out to a bar at night that I know I'm going to be yelling really loud, I won't drink a lot of alcohol because alcohol will dehydrate my vocal cords. Or if I do, I go home and I have this amazing Chinese herbal stuff called ninjong, which you can get on Amazon, but you can also get it for cheaper at a local Asian market if you have one. And I take a spoonful of that after I've been at a party all night long and I feel amazing the next day. Ooh, I'm wow. buying that. Yeah, it's, we can link it on your website. Great, um, yeah. It, it's, it's amazing. It's really good for anybody. I mean, even I was talking to a spin instructor the other day who was saying that she deals with like losing her voice oh, because right. she's yelling all the sure. time. Like, oh, you need this stuff. It's so, it's so good. So anybody who's constantly talking all the time, that's, it's very helpful. Hmm. Do you amazing. have like um, a favorite character that you voiced or a favorite <laughs> job or? So many. I, I, the thing about voiceover that I'm grateful for I think I told you this before that I'm Asian, if you couldn't tell. I'm an Asian American female. Mm -hmm. And on camera, there aren't a lot of opportunities for us. There, sure. aren't a lot of, there aren't a lot of opportunities for females to have really good roles. And there aren't a lot of opportunities even furthermore for Asian Americans. And in college, I was trained with to do like a British accent, a Russian accent, an Irish accent, all of those things. You will never see me on camera playing an Irish girl. I That's want just to so badly now, though. Like, happen, I want to see. Like, they're not going to cast me in 1920s Ireland. You know. Will you do it now? No, just putting you on the spot. Uh, yeah. the, the Irish accent? No, I, won't, I will not <laughs> do it right now. Don't you love she that when people, Do the voice. Do the voice, I Alex. Will most definitely Tell me not a joke. <laughs> yeah. 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 Yes, that's exactly what it perform, is. Like, perform, perform. Dance, monkey, dance. Uh, it's the worst. Uh, but in voiceover, I've been able to do that. So, like, I played... Right. Sure. I, I've played uh, an evil British queen, and that was really, really fun. And I played, um, most recently for Sprint, I played a robot, which was really cool. I auditioned for the non-robot part. Oh, you, the non-robot part. The non-robot part is the people driving the car that the robots are in. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I definitely didn't get it. Oh, oh no, we could have worked together. <laughs> that would have been so <laughs> great. Wait, together. you did it. What? You you booked that job, the, the well, robot? So the robot, she has existed since the Super Bowl. So she, oh. if you look back for, at Sprint's Super Bowl commercial from this year, you're, you're the, I'm the robot. Her name's Evelyn. She's amazing. So she's coming back. They're going to be doing more spots with Yay. her. So that's what you were auditioning for is more Evelyn spots. So this oh robot, from what I've learned, I don't know how much I'm supposed to say, but... Um, she has now become sentient. She wasn't before. She was mm. kind of like, you know, like Westworld. She was kind of this like piece android or whatever that the doctor thought didn't have any sentient thoughts. Yeah. Now she has become fully sentient. And so now she's going on adventures. Which is yeah. Cool. No, the, the, the audition was, um, I didn't sign an NDA, so I can say whatever I want. They, um, <laughs> they, uh, you, they like, uh, you, 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 you're in the car with your, your husband or friend or someone and, and you you pull over and and you pick up the these robots that are hitchhiking. Yes, 
Yeah. Yeah. I, so I have a, a clan of robots that I have taken with me. <gasps> oh, that's so fun. cool. It's totally crazy. So, yeah, I get to play a robot, which I wouldn't, may or may not have been able to play on TV. I played mm-hmm. an evil Roomba one time in a video what? game. What? That's mm-hmm. cool. Yep, I really like that one too. Wow. They, um, I going back to my 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 voiceover teacher. His he got his daughter into voiceover, oh, cool. and she was this, she was like eleven or something, and doing these shows. And I just thought, like, that's a way to have a child actor and won't fuck them up. Mm. <laughs> Do you know well, what I mean? I mean? Fingers yes. crossed, right? Fingers but crossed. but it's like, know. but it's like, what a cool gift to be able to give your daughter, like, here here's this job, here's it. Like here's this thing that you can do, which is just your voice. It has mm-hmm. nothing to do with what you look like. Right. It has nothing to do with puberty. It yep. has nothing to do with like these, like this void, this like animation isn't right. going to haunt you. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like yeah. the way that other child actors, and I think mm-hmm. it's, it's more empowering. Yeah, I think so. I definitely think so. And in a lot of ways, it's so much, it, It's actually to think about a child doing voiceover. The thing that makes it so difficult versus being on a set is that you have to imagine everything, Mm, right? Right. So this video game that I just did, I was, you know, in an airplane during World War II in the middle of a crisis. You know, we're about to be shot down. And if I was on a movie set, I'd be in uniform. I would have the sounds of guns. I would have the other characters in on the plane around me. I would have at least props in my hands. But when you're doing this, it's not just your voice that you have to make sound believable. Your body has to feel it. You have right. to see. And so it's such an exercise for your imagination. Mm-hmm. And, and that sounds like maybe that's only the case in video game, but even for commercials, when you're narrating or being the announcer of a commercial, there is picture on screen that you don't see in your session. You have no idea. The, the producers just kind of tell you like, oh, it's a mother and son and the mother's graduating. She went back to school and her son's there and she's really prou- he's really proud of her and it's a celebration. Okay, now go. And you have to embody all of those things. You have to sure. see those things. You have to feel those things. And you have to describe that feeling with your voice based on what you can see in your mind's eye. And it becomes such a, an exciting, I find it such a great challenge mm. for my imagination to really put myself in these places. That's so wow. cool. Can you feel when you're slightly missing something from your performance, from your vocal performance? Yeah, well, I guess... Or when you nail it? Working on the robot actually was, I worked with an incredible director who really did know how to work with actors, who we were we were trying to figure out the type of robot she was, right? Because you can be a very friendly robot who's like, hi, I'm a robot, and I'm going to tell you all of these things that you need to know, right? Or you can be a very kind of monotone robot that's, I am a robot, and I don't really have emotions. I just am in this place of very sad, you know? Um, <laughs> or, <laughs> or you have a robot so that's more like from her, like Scarlett Johansson, mm-hmm. right? That is, I'm very soothing, and I'm thinking about you. I have feelings, even though I'm a robot. I legit oh. relaxed. Re- see, <laughs> <laughs> that made me relax. Like, I, like I want you to have that like your own. Yeah, I, I ooh, feel better. The finding that voice, he he would ask me questions like, or or ask me to do things that were very specific, like make her a little less 
human, but keep that intensity, you know, and then, and then it becomes like a puzzle. You're like, okay, I'm going to dial down the humanity a little bit. I'm going to ramp up the intensity a little bit, you know what yeah. I mean? Or like, and, and then taking all of that. And then of course, cause it's a commercial, it's got to fit in 15 seconds. It's like, how can I be human robotic and also do it all in 15 seconds? You know, mm. what did her, what is her voice ended up? It's, her voice uh, is more, is very, um, monotone. So it's like, doctor, I don't quite understand why it is that you're still with Verizon. You know, it's very... Oh. Yeah. Can you say another brand in another brand's commercial? We did. I think you can. Oh. I think you definitely can if they're competitors. Yeah. I don't actually know the rules. I just know well, that I guess that like politicians and nobody that. got sued. So. Right. right. <laughs> yeah. Do you have like a dream job of voiceover? I do. I do kind of. So I haven't yet been fortunate enough to do a lot of animation, and right. I would love to. So to really to do any character on an animated show would be a lot of fun. Mm. But also... I do a lot of video games. This is going to sound so dumb and so geeky and so ridiculous. But I would kill to be the voice of, like, a spaceship on a video game. <laughs> like, just, you know, the voice of, like, doors opening, doors closing, <laughs> alert, you What alert. if you were, like, like could you like, be the voice of, like, New York MTA? Do you uh, know sure. what I mean? Thinking that sure. the subway. They don't pay a lot of money, though, to That's be fair. That's crazy. To be fair, they pay, like, very Can so I, little money. Wow. So Honestly, my so I I, I don't want to brag, but I have an iPhone ten. <laughs> but I noticed file feature. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It knows Siri case. is younger in the iPhone ten. Oh, it's a different like, woman. Really? And she is younger. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I was huh. like I it made me a little mad. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, because you felt threatened by your phone or because or because like you thought I don't want to talk about did it. Did you feel bad? I don't want to talk about it. Did I don't want to talk about it. Did you feel bad for OG Siri that she got replaced I by did. a younger woman? Yeah, I did. It's like the, the feminist repli- plight. Like, yeah. It made me a little upset. <laughs> do you have a voice of um can you do celebrity impressions? Do you uh, have someone? Um not off the top of my head, but I do voice matches sometimes. So yeah. oh, wow. uh Crazy to believe this, but like movies, television, when they do ADR afterwards, right? So when mm-hmm. they're trying to slot in some lines or if they've changed a line after they've shot the show or shot the movie, they do ADR. And sometimes they can't get that actor to come back to do ADR because they're on another project or they're busy or they're really expensive. Right. Um, and so they look for actors like me to do voice matches. And mm. I don't have any like in the bag that I do, but they'll usually send a sample and I'm pretty good at being able to match. I I did a voice match for JK Rowling once. Whoa. <laughs> oh my God. That is very cool. <laughs> <gasps> totally random. A Scottish. So you got to do, you got to I use it. I did. So I got to cool. use it. I know. Totally crazy. Um, but then sometimes the ones who have very distinct accents or very distinct vocal patterns are the easiest. So someone like JK Rowling, Rowling is very easy actually to voice match. I got asked one time to audition to voice match Sandra O, oh, which you're like, oh, obviously Asian woman, Asian woman, except Sandra O oh doesn't nothing. sound Asian at all. Mm-hmm. Like she has an American accent and her vocal patterns are very neutral. She just kind of, sh- her, the vocal shape of and the she way talks she talks kind of fast. She talks, yeah, mm-hmm. she talks a little fast. I had a lot of trouble trying to voice match that. I yeah. did not do a very good job at all. Yeah. yeah. Whereas like voice matching Michelle Yeoh, I was pretty, that was pretty easy to do. I love how mm. you're, I love it's like, just give me J.K. Rowling. That, that'll be easier for That'll me. be easier for me than Sandra <laughs> <O>. <laughs> Um And you have a booth, I'm assuming, in your house? I do. You, okay. I do. It's cool. a makeshift booth, actually. You would laugh if you saw it because it's, it's literally bookcases, you know, like freestanding mm-hmm. bookcases mm-hmm. That, that are backed into each other so that the inside space is hollow. So, you know, you put like two edges together and then 
on the other side of it is a space. Yeah, but then it isn't an eyesore. It is not. You're right. You're right. I actually have things, I have books on that shelf. Yeah. Mm. Yep. And on the inside, it's lined with packing blankets and uh, acoustic foam. And then like, I have a little shelf that I kind of tacked onto the backside of the bookshelf that I can put my laptop and then my mic stand is in there and my microphone is in there and everything. And a little like clip light for my Kia. I think that what we talked about this a little bit before we started recording, but um, and we talked about what we're recording, but you you did like take the time to help me give me advice and and listen to my demo and mm-hmm. and work with me. And you said that you had the same thing. You had a mentor. Yeah. Um, do you find that it's easier to support women or be supported by women in this day? And I mean this day, like in this day, <laughs> in this day and age. When, um, I, if I were to be truthful, I don't think about it that way. I, huh. I when I think about this business especially, I mean, I could talk for hours about the people who have helped me along the way. Every, every success that I have had in my career has been partially or in large part to the kindness of somebody who has taken a chance on me or has gone out of their way to help me and, 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 and guide me. Um, and so I think about this business as just me wanting to help when I can. Yeah. You know, sometimes I feel like, I, it's kind of you to say that I'm successful, but I, d- I definitely don't feel like I'm in a position of like power where I can like employ everybody, which is what I would love to do. If I could just give jobs to everybody or you know create content that everybody could be a part of, I would love to do that. But if my if where my strengths lie is in coaching somebody or giving them advice on what teachers to seek out, or yeah. if I have because I have the ear to be able to hear things that I can tell people, oh, this is where your voice falls, or these are mm. the weird ticks that your voice makes that maybe you could try to fix. Um, if that happens to be where my talent lies, then I want to use that as best as I can, whether it's for females or for males, but for totally anybody in this business. Even, you know, Peter and I went to college together, and so of course I want to help him. But I would help anybody, even if they didn't go to Carnegie Mellon, or even if. Yeah. You Thank know. you in advance. <laughs> <laughs> I did not go there. I, d- I just feel like it. Why wouldn't I? If I'm capable yeah. of it, and if I can help make a difference in some small part for somebody in this business, I would love to because of how many people have done that for me. Yeah, I I just I say that because I, for a really long time only men would help me. Really? Yeah. And I don't know if that was because I only went to men for guidance and help, which is so crazy, but... But possible. But possible. And I and I, I kind of made it, like, at, at some point I realized it. I was like, oh, all of my mentors are men. Mm-hmm. This isn't... That's not good. It's not right. good enough. Sure. All of my teachers that I really looked up to were all women. But yeah, I just... I, I, I find that... In, in the past, men have been more supportive of each other mm-hmm. um, and helped other people. Whereas I found like being in in L.A. and Hollywood for as long as I have that it, like it's been really competitive as a as a woman sure. um, that I and I believe and it is and I feel it that it's changing and I'm trying to be a part of changing that. Sure. But it's something that like you were so selfless and just being like. Yeah, of course. Like I met, I met you once and you were like, yeah, <laughs> let's talk. And I'm going to give you a bunch of advice. And it was great. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. I wonder too, also with like, you were saying that you found it, find it so competitive, um, as a female in Hollywood, 
that also is a byproduct of the fact that the opportunities for females are so low. Yeah. I would say that even in the voiceover industry, as sad as it is, and this is not a real statistic, but how it feels, it's probably a 70-30 split as far as the opportunities. Mm. For sure. And especially when if I'm if I'm auditioning for something in voiceover that is for either it's either male or female. I'm right. like, why am I even doing this? It's right. going to go to a it's man. It's going to go to a male. And it really it's still like that. It's starting to change just a little bit. But I wonder too if that not to say that there aren't a lot of successful women out there, but your exposure to women who are successful in this industry might be less just merely because the number of women in this industry is less. Right. You know? Um, and so I'm hoping that I'm hoping that's changing. But I definitely feel it even when so the agency that I'm with now, uh, I got them because a friend of mine did me a favor and, you know, sent my demo to his agent and and he's a guy, right? And he told me that when he sent the introductory email that just said, hey, I have a friend who's looking for an agent. I think she's really talented. Would you be willing to listen to her demo? That her response was, I need a woman like I need a, like I need a hole in my head. You know what yeah. I mean? Like oh, whatever, whatever that you were saying yeah. is. That basically that she, she was like, I don't need more women. Like there's A, not enough opportunities. And there are already so many women vying for those opportunities. And I was really lucky that she heard something in me that was like, okay, she's worth adding to the mix, yeah. but knowing already from the very beginning that it was an uphill battle. <laughs> <laughs> I will say, though, to your, to your point about females helping females, that I, at this agency, I have found the other females who are there have been very supportive of me, because I definitely was, mm. am, still, even though I've been with them now for almost five years, I'm a newbie in this business, for sure. People have been doing, people, people that are, like, sometimes I, I, I've gone to Voice Tracks West to record something, and it's like, he's like, oh, my God, you've been doing this forever. 40 years. Yeah. 40 years with oh. the same agency, you know? Sure. Or, like, you know, or with the same agent and follow them around to wherever it is that they've ended up. But they've, they've seen how the industry has changed. They've seen how, you know, new people come in and out and, and whatever. But even for people who've been around for 40 years, they've been very supportive of me and, like, answered my questions and, and haven't tried to get in my way or, you know, like, whatever. They've been very nice. And that I didn't really understand until I was with the team that I'm with now is that they work for you. They sure. work for you. You're giving them 10% of everything that you make. And it is to their their benefit to support you in whatever way they can. Mm -hmm. And so a real, the, the team that you should be with are the ones who believe in you, who are like, we know that you are capable of this. Are we giving you enough support to make you successful in what you're trying to go after? What else can we do for you to help you succeed? Because then all of us are going to be successful. We're all going to make money together. Yeah. So I... I'm able to call my agent and say, hey, I'm feeling really weird about this audition coming up. Or, hey, do we have any feedback because I'd like to get better to know if I'm doing you know, better or worse. I, um, when I first signed with them, I was with them just for commercial. And mm -hmm. there's you know, promo, animation, video game. We talked about right. all of that. And I told her from the very beginning, I would like to work across the board on everything. And right. that's not the case always. You know, Some voice actors don't get to do all of that. And after about a month, she said, I'll introduce you to all the other agents who, who they have a different agent for each of those mediums. She introduced me to them, and I started getting auditions from them, different people. A month later, she checked in with me. She said, hey, are you getting enough attention from the other departments? Has promo been sending you out? Has video games been sending oh, you out? Has oh, animation cool. been sending you out? If not, let me know, and I'll talk to them. <gasps> that's incredible. Wow. And it's incredible to, to realize that 
the team works better when you're all talking to each other or when you're all yeah. after the same and goal. You hear like how like Alex and I have. Like, it's just like, oh, <laughs> that's so nice. It's insane, but that's how mm-hmm. it should be. Right. And yeah. we as actors should be able to stand up for that to to expect and want that kind of treatment. We're so used to kind of rolling over. Yeah. You know, and we shouldn't have to. What is your like? What show would you love to be mm. on? There's a lot of there are a lot of really good shows on television right mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. Um, anything that's telling a really good story. Um, I'm very jealous of everybody on the show Peaky Blinders. Do you know that show? I watched it. Oh my god, it's so good. Mm-hmm. Part of it is that I would like to work with Cillian Murphy mm-hmm. because he's amazing. Um, but anything that that really. And it also has a lot of very strong female characters in it, which is why I is really that what like Evergreen's in? Or am I thinking of something else? I don't know who that is. I'm wrong. Never mind. You might be. I have no idea. I just don't know who that is. <laughs> <laughs> but something like like Peaky Blinders or something like Westworld or something that is very. I, I don't know why I don't have the desire to be on a 30 minute sitcom. It just isn't really kind of my wheelhouse or when That's I, cool when I like imagine, when I imagine my future, it's not being on a 30 minute sitcom. Sure. Um, but like those one hour dramas that really like delve into a story that really, there's a new show on the, uh, I think it's the BBC called killing Eve. Yeah. Mm. Sandra. Oh, Sandra. Oh yes. Sandra. Oh, which yes. funny story going back to being an Asian American female on camera so she was on Grey's Anatomy, right? Mm-hmm. Forever. That was her big breakout, which again, yeah. big breakout for someone who's already like in her mid thirties, who right. had been doing theater for mm-hmm. so long successfully mm-hmm. and, you know, was in sideways. Under and, the Tuscan sun. Right. Exactly. And on Grey's Anatomy for a very long time, a very incredibly popular show as an original lead. After she, she has a whole article about where she talks about after I left Grey's, I was waiting for the phone calls to roll in. Nothing. That it was like, it was as if she hadn't been on the show at all. And and she still had to hit the pavement the same way that she did before Grey's, which sounds wow. insane to Crazy. me. Whereas you see someone like Ellen Pompeo, who has admittedly said that she doesn't even really like acting, getting offers all the time. Or you look at Katherine Heigl when she left Grey's Anatomy. Katherine Heigl left Grey's Anatomy and then was a movie star. She was in movies all over the place. No problem. This woman I know posted on Facebook a, a, a video of Katherine Heigl selling kitty litter. <laughs> and the only thing she wrote was, don't piss off Shonda Rhimes. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, man. But you know, she probably made a lot of money selling that kitty litter. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and there's a reason why there are celebrities in commercials like mm-hmm. why is Susan Sarandon the voice of Tylenol does she need that probably not but she's making a lot of money selling yeah. Tylenol you know <laughs> yeah it's crazy that's why I always think I'm like can't they give the Tylenol job to someone else I feel that way all the like time John yeah. Ham <laughs> is in every voiceover exactly. commercial mm-hmm. he's doing fine without like those. I love right. Alison Janney but like why does she need to tell me about Kaiser exactly <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> I noticed that the other day. I was like, oh, that's Allison Janney. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, I yeah. understand why you have celebrities as, like, Spokes. Garnier. Yeah. Like, right. something like beauty. Sure. Because you want to see the face, but, like, oh, the right. on voice. Camera. Yeah, the voice. Mm-hmm. There have been studies. This, oh, my gosh, you've, you've hit a button. You've hit a button for me. Mm. So, luxury cars have always been known. Car campaigns, in general, are 
are always celebrities. You've had John Hamm, Matthew McConaughey for the voiceover. You know, um, Michael C. Hall was the voice of Chevy and Dodge for so long. Um, I know, so funny that that you don't you don't even really know. But they've done studies that celebrity voices on car commercials, while they may be recognizable, people can't associate the celebrity with the actual product. Right, so you hear a car commercial and you go, "Oh, that sounds like that sounds like John Hamm." He, John Hamm did a car commercial. Got it. What car? Oh, I don't really remember. I just remember that it was wow. John Hamm doing a car commercial. Right. So it takes people out of it. It takes a people bit. out of it, and it doesn't increase their sales in mm. any way. Right. But they're paying sometimes five, six, seven times more than what they would pay a scale actor. Right. Because there's a celebrity rate, and then there's your scale rate. If they had hired me, they would have paid me seven times less than what they're paying John Hamm. Right, and yet so it's not like they see the returns, but it is sort of a it's like sort we of a got badge, this one, a badge of prestige, and then they probably exactly. give them a free car. I would hope so. I did Dyson for a long time, and I did not get a free vacuum. I really would have liked a free Why? vacuum. You didn't get a vacuum. nope. You're like, but I got all the no, walnuts a girl <laughs> could ask for. All the what? Walnuts. No, they didn't even give me walnuts either. She was the voice of California, California wa- walnuts. walnuts. Oh, yeah. And never, you never got a free walnut. Never got a free walnut. walnut. That's bullshit. No, come on. I got a recipe, but everybody got the recipe because it was on walnuts.com. <laughs> Oh, man. Find the recipe on walnuts.com. Got some almonds here. Yeah, Yeah, so much better. Eat almonds. Michelle, thank you so much for coming You're welcome, guys. This was amazing. You guys can't see this, but we're, like, sitting at this table that, like, looks over, looks like a little tree, and it's, like, sunny outside. It's such a beautiful setting to have to do this podcast. So thank you guys for inviting me. For inviting me over. Yeah, it's nice having you give the description of the setting. I know. Thank you. Anytime. Do it again. Seriously. It's actually really gross in here. (laughs) It's really really disgusting. I made all of that up. (laughs) 